Welcome to Kenny and the Coaches. A lot of schools are already out for summer break, with some schools even starting summer camps. Some just wrapping up the school year and possibly some that may still be in school. Either way, most everyone is in summer break mode. I know that I am. On this episode, I have the coach that was one of my inspirations to do this podcast in the first place. As an elementary kid at Fox, I always knew who the mythical figure was that led our 1984 team to the state championship game, and one year later leading the 1985 team to the promised land. But I didn't know who Coach Milton Cooper was. And as I got older, and especially when I became a coach, I wanted to know what made him who he was and is, and what made him the coach and positive influence on his players that he became. You cannot find a person that says a negative word about Coach Cooper, and if you do, I don't want to know who that person is. Well, enough of me talking Coach Cooper up. Those that know him know he doesn't need it. Here's my conversation with the GOAT, Coach Milton Cooper. All right, Coach, thanks for taking time. I I know you're retired, but I'm sure you you stay busy with grandkids and all that. But uh, thanks for taking a little bit of time and visiting with me today. Really look forward to it. Uh, Retirement has been real good. Probably the greatest benefit is, like you said, being able to hang out with grandkids when you want to. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Coach, I was telling you when I was talking to you before uh, before I got you on, man, it, when I first started this podcast like a year and a half ago, you were one of the people I wanted to talk to because it was – I mean, you're you're the mythical figure at, at, at Fox, Oklahoma. You know, I mean, everybody – and when you talk about football, like when I was working in the oil field a couple of years ago, any time football would get brought up, they would bring up the 1984-1985 football team. And Coach Cooper was right behind that, you know. Yeah. So uh, kind of let people know, like, wh- where you've been and what you've been up to since you retired. I retired in 2017. Mm-hmm. I took a, a little hiatus for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I left uh, Ardmore, moved to Kansas City, worked in ministry for nine years. And then uh, – the Lord allowed me to get back into coaching. I went to my hometown of Hollis. Mm-hmm. We coached there for five years. We left Hollis, moved to Medill. It was good to get back in that area of Oklahoma. Yeah. And we spent uh, six years at Medill. I retired. A year later, my wife retired. And a year after that, we moved back to Kansas City. Oh, to be closer to grandkids. Oh yeah. So are you a, are you a Chiefs fan now? I'm a Chiefs fan. I'll always be a Cowboys fan. Oh boy. But yeah, and in order to live here, I think it's a requirement. You got to root for the Chiefs. Uh, I bet yeah. so. I bet so. My coach, you made an impact on a lot of people in your coaching career. What was it that what was it that made you want to be a coach in the first place? Oh, I had so many men in my life growing up that were role models and my second dad was my coaches mm. uh, they had the, that respect of my dad i listened to them like they were my dad i got off to a really good start mm. and that made me want to do and to be what they did and what they were to men so I realized early on that my goal was to was to coach, to, to be a Chuck O'Donnell, to be a Larry Palmore. Those are two guys that shaped me 
Mm-hmm. As an athlete in high school, I wanted to be and do what they were and what they did. And uh, my first job, I was a I was a head seventh grade and assistant junior high coach in Weatherford, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was coaching with a guy that I played college football with. Uh, he's a legend in Oklahoma. His name is Woody Ruff. He's mm-hmm. a Hall of Famer there. And I left uh, uh, two years there with him. I moved to Altus, and uh, he uh, he took a job. He took a job at uh, uh, Watonga. Uh-huh, yeah. After two years in Altus, I left and joined him in Watonga. I say all that to say, I've been around uh, as a coach. I worked for two head coaches in my career, mm-hmm. Woody Ruff and a guy named Ronnie Tips, mm-hmm. who's a head coach at Ardmore in the 90s. Yeah. Both of those coaches had incredible careers. Uh, Woody has won many state championships there with Tonga. We were in the state finals three years in a row, won it two out of three. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Medill, we won it twice when we were there. And then, of course, between Medill and Watonga, I had my my little run there at, uh, at Fox. Mm-hmm. But the key to it all was I've been blessed to be around some outstanding coaches and some incredible athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, timing has been perfect. And uh, that's when you when you when, when they talk about those schools and state championship runs, well, you can mention the coach, but man, at those three places, incredible athletes, yeah, just like you were, and some that you played behind, yeah, there at Fox High School, yeah, man. Now, uh, talking about the your when, when was it that you started coaching? Remember what year it was? Yes, sir. I started in 1973. 1973. Now I graduated. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I graduated. I graduated college in three years. Oh wow! Uh, graduated high school in 1970. In the summer of '73, I graduated college because I played one year of college football, mm-hmm. and then I had to pay for it myself. So I didn't waste any time. <laughs> I went summers and everything. Uh, Finished up in '73. Man, you know, if more people had to do that, they'd probably put their nose to the grind and get things done. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Now, coming up in in the in the '70s, I know you talked about those those two head coaches that you worked for that were, you know, kind of legendary coaches. But how how important was it for you when you became a head coach to have kind of like a, oh, I guess you could say like a mentor coach or someone that you could talk to how important was that for you not only as a as a head coach but i mean just to be honest in in the 70s there weren't a lot of black head coaches how important was it for you to kind of have someone whenever things weren't going great to be able to you know throw things off of you know what do i do here i'm running into this how would you handle that critical Hmm. i'm so glad that uh, i had men in my life like a woody roof who was not only an outstanding football coach, but one of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. And my one of my closest friends understood some of the things that 
me as an African-American coach would have to go through. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a pleasure uh, to work with, consult with guys like that. There were other mentors that I had in the coaching profession. There was a guy by the name of Mickey Hoy. Mickey was the head coach at Davis for mm-hmm. quite a few years. They won it several times down there with the wishbone. Mm-hmm. And he was a coach that I could call and I could uh, visit with some problems I may have encountered, be it football or be it life. Mm-hmm. It's critical to have guys like that uh, in your life. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I could always call my old high school coaches and uh, get their perspective on things. Mm-hmm. So one of the things as a, as a head coach I understood early on, I didn't know it all. I needed help, and it was easy for me to ask uh, for help and advice, wisdom, and and whatever that I needed. I knew that there were people I could go to to get what I need. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was something that I I didn't learn early on, but it it took me a minute that I don't know it all. You know, I may think I do, but I really don't. And (laughs) I think once, as a young coach, once you figure that out, that it's okay even – to be humble and, you know, nothing's new in football. I mean, it may be more spread out, but still, it's still football, you know. And there's nothing that you need to hold on to that someone may be wanting to know or there's nothing too big that you can't ask a person, hey, what do you do here? You know, I mean, we're all – Absolutely. That's something I've kind of – even just from doing this podcast, you know, just from talking to different coaches, I mean, it's it really is – you know, you see these guys on the opposing sidelines and – I'm, you know, when I'm coaching, I'm just like I was when I was playing. I'm, I'm ultra competitive, you know. That guy on the other side of the field, I'm about to go to war with that guy, you know. And I always kind of looked at it like that. But, you know, really, we're all kind of in that same brotherhood of, of turning, you know, teenage boys into young men. That's what it's all about. And whatever we can do to get off of each other to – further that to help you know this, these generations coming up that's what it's that's what it kind of took me a minute to figure out you mm-hmm. know? absolutely you know one of the things that i realized is is uh when i got my head coaching job and i learned this from woody roof i tried to surround myself with people that knew a whole lot more about it than i did mm-hmm and that was uh, always good to have. I was never threatened by the knowledge of an assistant coach or whatever because, and again, that goes back to you got to know that coach's character also. Yes. Mm-hmm. At Medill, my last coaching stop, we had a staff of eight coaches, uh, nine, kind of my freshman coach, had a staff of nine. Mm-hmm. Four of those guys had all been head coaches before. Mm-hmm. And two of them were former head coaches at Medill where I was. Mm-hmm. Now, you had some, some, some personalities and some egos, but uh, it all boiled, or, uh, all came down to uh, we got, we're here for the same purpose. We're here to win and to make young men men yeah. and in the process win some ball games. Yeah. And it, it worked. We made it all work. Yeah. You know, you, you... I think a lot of times when people that aren't in it like, you know, you are, like we are, whenever you see a situation like that, you go, oh, that's never going to work. That's never going to work because you got too many chiefs, you know, and not enough Mm -hmm. enough soldiers, you know. And 
whenever you know to me you can you can tell whenever you're on the opposing sidelines if a staff is in one accord or not absolutely and that's i think that's so vital i mean it's like i said it's whenever you you get a group of guys or group of coaches together that figure that you know yes the wins and losses are great but it's about what these guys are going to turn into after they hang their cleats up Mm-hmm. Once you get a group of guys together that can do that, I mean, you, the sky's the limit. Uh, That's right. I believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, sir. Let, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a bit, a little bit about those teams at Fox. What was it that made those teams so special? Because I mean, you were, you you showed up and it's like the the tide turned. You know what I mean? I mean, there were always athletes there, but. You were the one that kind of put them in the spot to they they knew when they stepped out on that field and whoever they played against knew they were probably going to lose. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was so it was so much talent uh, there, and I was I came in just at the right time. Mm-hmm. I had my eyes on the Fox job probably three or four years prior. Mm-hmm. I remember when Willie Hurt was head coach at Fox and uh, the head coach at Millwood, I'll think of his name here in a minute, uh, they were buddies. I think they went to school together at Langston, but Fox played Millwood. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it on the news one night. They showed highlights of the Fox-Millwood game. Uh, the Millwood coach was Leotis Robinson. Mm-hmm. I told my wife, I would love to have that Fox job. Uh, And three years later, two, three years later, uh, I found out that Coach Hurt had left Fox and was going to Langston. When I saw that on the news that night, I checked into it the very next day. (laughs) Got a hold of the superintendent, and uh, we set up an interview. I drove down a few days later, spent the night, that showed me the school and, and what have you. And I accepted that job while I was down there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, one of the one of the best moves for my career and for my family mm-hmm. uh, that I've made in my entire career. Yeah. It was a great school for my kids. You went to school there. You know the makeup mm-hmm. where we lived right there on the campus. And... Uh, yeah, it was such a great move for me. But I had my eye on that job for years prior, and the timing was was just right. Yeah. So the tradition was there. I was able to. Uh, I was blessed to be able to come in, continue what had been started, and we took it to the top uh, a couple of years uh, later. Yeah. Now I have to. I know you're probably going to be humble in this response, but I have to ask it anyway. Because I've had debate after debate with about that those two eighty four the eighty four and eighty five teams, would you say that was the best team in the state in any class those years? And do you think they should be considered one of the best in the history of Oklahoma high school football? Because I've argued that with people. I've heard people say, you know, I'm not going to mention the other school's name, but there's a a team to the west, sort of of Fox, that would always say. You know, I had this 90 – I'm not even going to say the year because I don't know who they are. Oh, this team could have beat that team. I was like, no way. There's no way that team could have stayed on the same field with them. <laughs> I will uh, – I'll 
say this, and I, I love it when others speak for us. I've had several coaches, uh, enough that you can name on uh, two hands, you can name, name them all, from uh, not only small schools, but uh, at that time, five and six, eight schools, mm-hmm. who coached some of those guys in the All-State games. And they all said to me that, Coach, those guys watching you guys play, I think you could have won it in any class. Yeah. And uh, you know, we had that caliber of, of, of athletes. Yeah. I think the thing that uh, uh, could have worked against us is just the numbers, mm-hmm. talent-wise and, and uh, physicality and all that stuff we could have. But a team that maybe two platoon and and uh, that that could wear us down like that that would have been uh, that would have worked against us. But that was a pretty talented bunch, and that was some of the best athletes that I've been around in my 35 years. Oh, uh, yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm telling you, I've you know I've looked at just the makeup of that team several you know probably 10 or 20 times in my life just. I'll even be sitting around my parents, and we'll be talking about who was on, who. Who are your linemen? Who are your you know who your backfield was? I was like, man, you're not going to find many teams throughout history that have that are that stacked at every position. You know, usually you find a team that's got a weak spot here or a weak spot there, especially in lower class football. But man, it was they were it was just talent after talent after talent, and then most of the backups were talented. That's <laughs> right. I was uh, I was I was not uh, very well liked by a number of teams, probably seventy five percent of them, yeah. because we you know we we shut out a bunch of teams. Yeah. And uh, I was watching the I was watching the state championship game in eighty five, and uh, <laughs> I was you know on the I, I I was on the offensive side. Coach Rick Lawrence was on the defensive side. And our linebacker depth was four and a half yards, and we play downhill. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking at a close-up of our interior at this ball game, and our linebackers are on the heels of the <laughs> defensive linemen, yeah. and they're swatting guys off like flies. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but when you have specimen like Cardell Miles and Sidney Prince, those guys were men. Now, I'll tell you. I'm telling you. I, I remember when I was in high school, and you know, we had a couple of years when I was a freshman and a sophomore. We weren't very good. We were okay my freshman year, but sophomore year we weren't very good. And we we kind of went on a run when I was a junior, and some of those guys would kind of come around. And I was I, I remember kind of looking at some of those guys. I was like, man, I mean, because I played running back and linebacker, and I was like, I got a lot to grow. <laughs> to get to where those guys were, you know, you know, just them two, Sydney and Cardell. Just if I'm a running back or a quarterback, looking across the line at those two, can you imagine? Oh, my, yeah. Ready, if you're a quarterback, you're handing it off pretty quick. <laughs> and, and we had the best, I think, in my opinion, I think we had the best quarterback in the state. Oh yeah, in Kenny Breath. Yeah. Uh, this guy wins the uh, 200 meters uh, at state track meet. He's on both on all the relays. He can throw it the length of the field. Mm-hmm. He's an unbelievable athlete. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable athlete. The only thing I think a lot of people or some people might have against him is that he likes that, that orange and black now. Yeah. Uh, that might be the only thing people hold against him. Yeah. <laughs> that, 
for some people, that's a strike against. <laughs> now, talk a little bit about some of those other stops in your career. You know, the Hollises, the Medills, kind of some of the more memorable moments and, and people from those stops. Hollis was special because that was my hometown, and my brother was the superintendent there. Oh, okay. And uh, after um, he had called me, their head coach had left. We were in Kansas City. We were talking during Thanksgiving, and he said, I thought jokingly, have you ever thought about coming back home and coaching again? I kind of played it off. He called me again after the first of the year, and he told me that he was serious. Would I consider it? And it really intrigued me. I... Uh, I said, yeah, I would. So I went down to the interview, and uh, I accepted the the position. It was a pleasure going back home. We had to rebuild. We had, they had, uh, the year prior, I had, had them to send me all of the game film. This is before Huddle, obviously. Mm-hmm. They sent me all uh, the game film for, for the year before I went down there. And I saw... From a wide angle, I saw the players on the field. Then on the sideline, I saw four coaches and one player. Mm. I'm wondering why, where are the other players? Why are they down on the other end? They only had 12 players. Wow. Mm-hmm. They had scored uh, two or three touchdowns in three years. Wow. Uh, it, was, it was really bad. So mm-hmm. we go back and we recruit the Halls. We get uh, uh, 30-plus players out for the fall. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the learning experience for me. I thought because of the places I'd been, because of things that we had been able to accomplish, I thought we'll, at, at worst, we'll go five and five mm-hmm. because of my experience, because of the coaches I brought with me and so on. Mm-hmm. And that year, we went oh and again mm-hmm. we did score uh, almost in every ball game but it was really humbling for me yeah. the thing that I did not uh, address uh, was the fact that they didn't know how to win mm-hmm. and they accepted getting beat and it just didn't bother them mm-hmm. as bad yeah. so that summer and off season we approached it a little differently. Our second year there, we make the playoffs. So from 0 and 10, we get in the playoffs, and we have to play our first round at Texoma. Mm-hmm. The next year, we get a little better. We make playoffs again, and we ended up playing Velma Alma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were pretty good, and they went deep in the playoffs if they didn't get to the final, as usual. Yeah. But... Uh, that was a great spot uh, for me. It was also special because our guys at Fox, we went out there in 1984 and we lost to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, that was, that was hard. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm sorry. In 83, yeah. Mm-hmm. 83, we lost to them in the playoffs. We go back and my head coaches, my coaches were still coaching at the time. Mm-hmm. After the game, we walk across the field, we shake hands, and they tell me how proud they are of me hanging there. Well, as the Lord would have it, 
the next year we get in the playoffs and we go back to Hollis mm-hmm. and we put it on them pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then of course we get to the finals and then the next year we get to the finals again. And so that was special, but Hollis was special because our team from Fox had gone there and they still remembered yeah. <laughs> those guys when they come out there. Mm-hmm. It was special because that's where we had, had uh, yeah, we had, uh, launched off there with the with the Fox Test. Mm-hmm. After uh, Hollis uh, stayed there five years, my brother retired. I stayed another two years, and then the position came open at Medill. I had seen and heard of uh, some of the athletes they had. Mm-hmm. I'd heard about the facilities, so I uh, stuck my name in the hat, and uh, they offered me the position. I left there at about mid-spring so we could do uh, football. I interviewed coaches. I brought two of them in with me. Mm-hmm. One of them was Drew Young, who was the mm-hmm. defensive coordinator at Ardmore when I was there. Yeah. And then another one was Mike Vanway, who coached the offensive line when I was in Ardmore. But I was able to bring two with me, hired one more uh, from the area, and then the others uh, – coaches that had been there and they decided they wanted to, to stay mm-hmm. and we uh we did something special there uh we uh Medill had never won uh had never gone past the first round mm-hmm. well we uh two years in a row one year we went undefeated in district and we uh, went two rounds deep and uh the second round of playoffs we played at heritage hall and they had some pretty good athletes. Yeah. They had a guy named Sterling Shepard yeah. and a guy named Barry Sanders Jr. Yeah. And nice they were Sanders. special. <laughs> yeah. 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 They reminded you of the Foxes back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of guys. Yeah. 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 We were, we, uh, uh, yeah, we, we did very well there. And then uh, I noticed toward the end there, Kenny, uh, I was doing more coaching coaches than I was coaching players. Yeah. I could tell that my, I, I, I still, uh, my, my love for the game started waning and I just liked it a lot. Yeah. And so I knew that, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's time to retire. Mm-hmm. And so I retired, uh, with no reservations missed it tremendously the first two years and then that slowly faded away now i really enjoy watching the game visiting with coaches and yeah Yeah. that's how it all came about yeah you know and that's that's that'd be the the way to go out i'm sure i've I've thought about that some you know hopefully way later on whenever i get out of it i'm i'm kind of seeing it that same way i hope it gets to the point where i i I get to go out kind of on my own Accord, Absolutely. You know. Yes. And I'm, I'm sure, me. you know, like even when it's, I have a feeling it's a lot of the same way whenever your, your, your season's over and, you know, the playoffs are still going on. You kind of have that, you know, that next Monday after season's over, you're like, what do I do now? You know, yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's Absolutely. somebody somewhere still practicing, getting ready for another That's game. Right. You know. That was tough. Yeah. That was now, tough. In, in coaching kids, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, but what do you believe is, is you, as a coach, what do you think is your biggest responsibility is to the kids? 
we had a uh, a parent meeting every year at the start of the season, and uh, I would tell our kids it's mandatory that I meet your parents. So do everything you can to get them there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd get uh, anywhere from fifty to sixty percent of the parents would show up. But I would uh, explain to them my philosophy of coaching and and uh, uh, how they could you know, be involved and what I needed from them and you know, all those things that you know, coach-parent relationship. And uh, then I told them the expectations uh, uh, of the kids. And I shared with them, if your kid is in my program for four years, ninth grade through 12th grade, or three years, two years, or one year, whatever it is, at the end of their career, if they're not a better person, a better man, then I failed you. Mm. So I put everything that I could in, not just the X's and O's, but uh, to teach them what a man should be. Mm-hmm. There are so many practices at the end of practice and sometimes in the middle when we had them all together. I never uh, passed up a moment to not share with them just some values. Mm-hmm. There were times when we would, uh, uh, on several occasions, I can remember stopping practice. We would have a bad practice and I would stop practice, call everybody in. And they would listen to me talk to them about effort and giving up. Mm-hmm. And then I would have that would open a door for me to share my faith with them. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I shared with board members in an interview or superintendents and at parent meetings, I shared with them that I am a Christian that happens to coach. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to share my faith with your kids, with mm-hmm. our students. If mm-hmm. you have a problem with that, you got the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And all of the places I've been was accepted 100%. Yeah. And as long as I stuck with that, with that philosophy, and I want the best for kids and and, uh, and I didn't hammer them with, with Jesus all the time and, mm-hmm. and uh, all that kind of stuff. But I told them about just being a man. This is what a man, this is the expectations of a man. To be a, a better husband, to be a better father. These are things that we're working on right now. Mm-hmm. So I was very fortunate in the place I've been that they accepted me uh, for what I was and, and who I was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you you were able to coach both your boys, weren't you? Yes. What was that like? Because, I mean, I'm kind of going through that now. Uh, you know, one of them's just finished playing for me. But what was that like for you to coach your, coach your own kids? Man, that was the greatest time of my career is being out there with them. Yeah. And I, I will admit I was so unfair to them. <laughs> uh, my uh, expect yes, you, you probably experienced that. Yes, yeah. Uh, my expectations were so high, mm-hmm. and they had to do. I just expected them to do more than others, and they did. 
But the part I regret the most, they did some they did some incredible things. One was a quarterback, the other running back. We ran the option. We got highlights of the option ran to perfection. Mm-hmm. And when they would score or do something great and they come off sideline, everybody's jumping up, coaches are jumping up and they get to me and I just kind of pat them on the butt. No. Yep. I didn't want anybody to think that they were had received any special treatment. Yep. Uh, and mm-hmm. I look back on that and I, I regret it. Uh, we had a little, had kids home one time and we were talking about the good old days and my son Kevin said something about uh, uh, that he never showed any emotions when we did, but the others, other kids would do something and they joked about it and he was right and I apologized to them. Mm-hmm. They understood. They understood why, but there was a basketball coach named Al McGuire. And forgive me for talking so much. No, no, absolutely. I'm soaking it all in. Yeah. There was a basketball coach named Al McGuire. He coached at Marquette. Mm-hmm. He had a son, a point guard, who started for him and was pretty good. On an interview at ESPN, they asked him about his son playing and how other people saw uh, uh, what other people thought about him starting his son. And Al's question was, well, why not my son? Hmm. He said, let me tell you how I feel about that. He said, the position, if it's two kids in that same position and the talent between the two is equal, he said, I'm going to play my son because that's my son. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Made, made so much sense to me. Uh, yeah, but I, and then the other thing is I didn't, well, I didn't savor the moments. It was over so quick. They're they're gone, and and uh, I I really missed that. Yeah, I really did. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm sure I'm sure you're probably the same way. That our last game this year, you know, I was good. You know, I was fine. I knew, you know, we didn't make the playoffs this year, and I knew that was our last game. You know, I'm into the game <laughs> while it's going on. You know, we we win that final game. It was kind of a tight game. Shouldn't have been, but it was. You know, we we pulled it out, and you know we're shaking hands in the handshake line. I'm fine, doing good, and then you know all the you know the seniors, some of the other seniors are coming up, telling me you know thanks, coach, all all that stuff. And then as soon as I make it to to my son, man, it was just he hugged me and it was just I was I was rolling around like a baby on on the ground out there, man. I just. And, I, and I'm, you know, I probably will look back at it too like that. You know, there's so many times that, you know, my oldest son Nicholas, he played great for us on defense and and on offense too. But you know, there'd be so many times, just like you said, he'd, he'd make a good play, come to the sidelines, and be like, you know, good job, let's, let's do it again. You know, I, but you know, and, and I think you're right. You know, about Kevin and Brian, I, I, I guarantee you, they knew, you know, what. What was at stake, you know? I mean, not necessarily what was at stake, but what what that meant to you. And they they knew that you that you appreciated and loved what they did. It's just, you know, I think that's part of being a coach's kid, too. That's um, it. Yeah, you know, that comes with being a coach's kid. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. I only got one more question for you. I kept I could keep you on here for two or three hours, but <laughs> I only ask you one more one more thing. What what do you hope? your former players remember about you and your coaching career? Oh, that's a, that's a good question there. I, uh, I 
hope they'll remember uh, there's three things right there. And I told, uh, ever since I coached, I've told my players, I hope they'll never forget what I said to them at the end of practice or when I would greet them as they walked out the door of the locker room every day. Mm. I, I hope to always remember that Coach Cooper loved them, and he told them that mm. every day I, I, would, I would tell them that. The other thing I hope they'll remember is, is that uh, I hope they they thought I was fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was hard on them. I really was hard on them. But I I think I think they will. I, I hope they remember that he may have been hard, but he was fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was fair in the way that uh, that he he treated us. And then oh man, that that third one. I, I hope that I lived a life that they can pattern their lives after, like I did my coaches, mm. that they treat their wives. I hope, I hope they saw me treat my wife in such a way that they would think, man, that's what I'm going to do with my wife. They uh, treated my kids a certain way. I just want them to be a, a good dad and a good husband. And I hope I was able to exemplify that my life there on, on the campus. Yeah. Well, Coach, man, like I said, I really appreciate you doing this. I'm, I'm kicking myself for taking so long to finally getting around and talking to you. But, I mean, this is this – is, I've been looking forward to doing this whenever since I finally got in touch with you. And I just, you know, from one of my biggest – I'm not going to say regrets because, you know, I didn't have any choice in it. But, you know, one of my things I'll look back and wish whenever, you know, I'm old and – in the nursing home, as I wish I would have been able to play football for for Coach Cooper, you know, because I've never heard. I mean, I, like you said, I've heard people say that you were hard on them, but man, it, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about you. And that's 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 you know, that's uh, this is this has been a, a, an honor for me to do this with you, and I just I, I thank you for doing it. Man, you, you made my day. I just to go back and talk about. I haven't I haven't done anything like this. Uh, since I've been out of football and for you to call me up and you know, take the time and let the old man <laughs> share some things, that means a lot to me, man. You have no idea what you did for me. Big thanks to Coach Cooper for being on the podcast today. Being a Fox alumni, it was an honor to do this podcast with him, and hopefully all of his former players have an opportunity to listen as well. Thank you for listening. New episodes come out every Sunday at 10 a.m. on your favorite podcasting site. And starting July 5th and continuing every Wednesday after that, I will start re-releasing past episodes of Kenny and the Coaches, starting with Season 1, Episode 1, and Coach Kenny Magoo. Don't forget, that's Wednesday, July 5th. You can also find links to the podcast on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page. And if you're on Twitter, just search at Kenny Coaches. And remember, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the Coaches. Until next time. Thank you.